Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Tiger Pops. Um, we are so excited to be here, and we're going to do a little bit of an introduction to the people who are hosting today's episode. My name is Mindy. I am 31, almost 31 years old. I'm married. I have two kids, and I work at a professional services company, and I'm doing an MBA. And this kind of thing is not in my wheelhouse, but I'm so excited that I stumbled across it and that I am now a diehard fanatic. Okay, and let's go to the next person um, hosting today's episode, Patty. Hi there. Um, my name is Patty and I am a fairly, I'm a fan of Midnight Poppy Land. I've been a fan of the Lily Dust for quite some time. Uh, some things about me personally, I'm 35, I'm married, I have two fur babies, um, and I'm a professional counselor with uh, emphasis on addictions and trauma. So I, I feel like that's important for me to say because that's kind of the lens through which I view the episodes. Um, and you know, this is, uh, I'm much like, um, our gal here, she, um, this is kind of out of my wheelhouse as well because I'm an avid reader. Um, and so web comics is a very new thing to me as well. That's right. Yeah. Both of us, um, I have an undergraduate in psychology and English, so that hits both of them, you know, the literary aspect and the psychology aspect. And that's why I'm so excited yep. that Patty agreed to be here because Patty has the best analysis on Patreon. But actually, there's so many. I can't say the best. Like, they're just all good ones. And our next guest is Anne. Let's just Anne. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Anne Rose, and I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. I am a middle school social studies teacher. My bachelor's is in history, and my master's is in secondary education. I am super excited to be joining Mindy and the great um la rosa morada as she's known uh <laughs> on patreon and thank you again mindy for putting this together and giving us this uh, opportunity to discuss and dissect uh lily dust epic epic midnight poppy land and patty i'm so excited to be um <laughs> basically uh fangirling with you all and just your your analysis is always so spot on it it just helps me uh better understand and take in MPL even more. So thanks for that. Very yeah, cool. Exactly. Well, I'm very excited to be with both of you. So this is this is so cool. Yeah, this um podcast, like I hope for it, it's honestly an excuse to be able to fangirl more extensively and intensely. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really in because like there's just never enough. Like I just you can't get it out of our heads. Okay, so let's get into the first episode. We're going to be scrolling through the episode um individually as we are analyzing it, and then we're going to kind of do you know try to pull together some themes. Also, just a, a by note, we are currently recording um, as of the time when Fast Pass episode 38 has come out. So we do have some advanced knowledge, but we're going to try really hard not to put it in and just to analyze each episode um, for what it is and just get the clues from inside. And as you know, Lily Desk is a master at putting clues in. So mm -hmm. we're going to be analyzing everything and trying not to drop any spoilers. Okay, so the episode starts when the girl, who we knew as Puppy, walks in on her boyfriend cheating. On her, and one of the things we do, we see Patty. What well, the first thing that we find out about Poppy is she kind of, as soon as she sees it, she walks straight out. 
and doesn't doesn't have this intense emotional reaction visibly at least doesn't scream doesn't doesn't cry she just walks out and tries to control herself yeah and i i know i've talked about this at length in in the later episodes but it really struck me when i came back to this first episode and was looking at her behavior also through that lens and that this is the very beginnings of poppy's habits of avoiding um granted i will say i mean anybody in that position they're definitely going to have a little bit of shock and and like i know i'm i'm a chronic avoider myself and so i would have probably done much the same thing um i you know kind of if you look at her face in that panel where they're showing her through the door like she just has this like complete blank look like oh my god what am i looking at you know she's in complete shock and she, i i think part of her is still trying to register and process what's happening mm-hmm. um and at the same time i i feel like in that moment it's like brain is shutting down in the back like need to get away need to leave this situation fast right i completely agree with what uh, patty was saying and just the fact that you had the fact that you basically said that she was her of her avoiding basically what was happening and she does uh lily does does provide that she um is very non-confrontational about these sorts of things and basically coming up with witty retorts after the fact is difficult or just to you know just to basically call jewelry out spot on but yeah i didn't even think about that so thank you for bringing that up yeah, and to me, it also shows that she has um, strong control over her emotions. Mm-hmm. And she's somebody who can put things aside to take care of the present. And um, that's something that's admirable and that we see her displaying later as well. Okay, so um, another thing that, that we just focus on, that the first thing that actually, the the first text that we see is that life is a series of thoughts that are connected. Yes. And to me, that's like mysterious foreshadowing, right? And we, we're going to see a lot of, people coming up right away like we're going to see Tora you know in this episode so it's foreshadowing that he's going to be part of her life and that there is some kind of plan to bring him in yes um one of the questions that I had was how does episode one lay the foundation for Tora and Poppy's life coming together Mindy as you had mentioned as a series of dots so I feel like without while trying to just make keep this conversation uh, along the lines of episode one, I just feel like both Tora and Poppy were driven together by these people who essentially, I, from jewelry's end, betrayed her. And mm-hmm. someone like, uh, I don't know if they mentioned him in, or I, I know he gets a call, Tora gets a call from Goliath um, or tons of phone calls and text messages and it doesn't sound like he you know goliath was a good person to torah because torah doesn't want to have anything to do with him even though he's asking for help but then torah does eventually drive all the way out to moonbright to um you know see what's going on with goliath so i guess this betrayal in a sense from both ends and having them come together i guess connecting the dots and the you know, I I don't know if that makes sense. No, it totally does. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really good point that they were both betrayed. This is exactly what's bringing them together here. So, actually, this is a good segue to get into um, you know, our introduction to Torah. 
So um, let's just say episodically, you know, you first see that um, Poppy takes the, the scooter that she gave to Jewelry, which, by the way, you know, she's giving mm-hmm. him quite a magnanimous present over there. And yes. um, she ends up getting into an accident. Um, and at that accident, that's actually uh, it's kind of like a, a breaking point for her. And she does express some emotion. She does have a breakdown and she starts, you know, mm-hmm. crying and throwing her helmet and her jewelry out and her papers are scattered all over the place. Okay. Yes. And that leads into we see a few hours earlier, like you were saying, Anna Rose, Tora gets this um, right series of phone calls and text messages from the guy Goliath. And we can infer from the messages that Goliath is someone that he should not care about, right? Yeah. Because he's like, oh, the yes, I care. But Goliath's text messages are very desperate. So yeah. mm-hmm. he's, and he, his relationship with Tora, he's obviously expecting him to save him. So this demonstrates that, first of all, to me, it demonstrates that Tora is someone that Goliath can rely upon and that he is capable of saving him. And it also puts that, shows us right away that there's some kind of dangerous situation. Like Torah is not just, you know, a guy who works at a bank or a grocery store. He's, he works in some, he does something that involves people killing each other because Goliath is like rescuing before they kill me. Yeah. And I think one, one of the things that I love about these panels that lead up to us seeing Torah and, and, the apartment that he lives in, um, you notice that there's a huge shift in the color palette from Poppy's Mm -hmm. uh, Poppy and Moonbright to Torah in Naring city. And you just, you see these drab colors, um, very industrial, very grungy. And, you know, he's sleeping on his damn couch. (laughs) You know, again, there's, there's still this thing in the fandom. Does this man own a bed? Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I'm thinking like he he lives in this very minimalist apartment, has very few possessions. And that that's one of the things that first struck me when I saw this episode, both the first time and the second and third and fourth times I've read it. Mm-hmm. He uh, he and, and you can tell because when we jump later on into the episode, um, sure, these text messages he gets really grumbly and really uh, upset about them. And just like, whatever, screw you, dude, like to, uh, you know, find somebody else who gives a shit. Um, and then his conscience pops in. Mm-hmm. He starts thinking about it and what, what happens if they do kill him and he's ruminating in it. Um, and, you know, then, and then he pops up and is just like, for fuck's sake, I've got to do <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, this this really does, like you were saying earlier, it hints to what kind of work that he does. You know, he lives in this city. He it looks like he lives alone, um, and that other people rely on him in such a way uh, to to save his to save them from impending danger. So mm-hmm. obviously, he has a dangerous job, right? And you know, speaking going back to his apartment, one of the other details I noticed when um, when I first read it. So you see him on the couch and you see he appears to have fallen asleep in his clothing yeah. and fully dressed. Um, <laughs> well, fully dressed might be a little bit of an overstatement. Quite a lot of buttons open, which of course is, you know, uh, to our benefit. But um, he has like this video game console next to him and he has cigarettes next to him. So, um, and he has a, a barbell that you see as well. So you def- you can infer that he, A, works out. He um, doesn't seem to be taking proper care of himself, both in the cigarette smoking which can be something indicating like a stressful life that he has. And also the video game, the fact that he fell asleep while, you know, um, playing video games, fully dressed, 
on a couch. Well, that shows that he yep. doesn't, he's not taking care of himself as well. And this kind of leads to a big theme in NPL of Tura's um, sense of self and his, how much he values himself and how much he feels he deserves. So this is like a huge theme that's been running throughout NPL. Mm-hmm. That's, that's I really, agree. yeah, that's a great point. I mean, just like, I, I felt bad for him when I saw him sleeping on the couch and then someone was asking him for help. And he, on his day off, as he says, it's like he can never, ever have a time for himself and just the, the sense of self care. And the, like, the only pop of color besides his gorgeous tattoos would be the strawberry juice, the two cans that appear mm-hmm. empty. And I'm just like, gosh, this, guy it's just it seems so sad like I was just and his and the position in which he just slept and it's like wow he doesn't even give thought to you know just feeling like the comforts the comforts of home it's like right and then we also see we get to see he has a lot of tattoos he has this large tattoo on his neck and currently you know we have no idea what it is yet but we'll find out soon enough and then he has these tattoos on his chest he has you can see a koi fish if I'm correct and a peony right yes Okay, and then we know what it is, and honestly, I feel like we may as well you know, talk about it now yeah. because it's uh, so I'll, I'll let somebody else go discuss the, the the tattoos and their meaning. Patty, I feel like you should take this away because <laughs> you you are just so good with basically break cro- uh, crossing over Lily Dusk's Osiris Bride webtoon and MPL together. Mm-hmm. So please, yeah. Okay, so uh, the, this is the the little bits that I know about these tattoos. Um, Lily has said uh, a few times that these are homages to Ulan and Yua, who are from the the her other webtoon, Ashura's Bride. And one of the things that we've known from the get go is that Tora is a descendant of Ulan and Yua. Um, he doesn't know this, as far as we know. Um, but these tattoos are, are a piece of that. And, um, if you, if you do enough research, you'll find that these are very traditional, uh, uh, Japanese tattoos, um, typically worn by Yakuza. Um, and so you can, if you know enough about it, you can kind of infer that he's in a gang. Can you tell us, Um, so the Yakuza in Japanese, what does, for any listeners like myself who are not very familiar with that term? Mm-hmm. They they're Japanese mafia. Okay. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, and so obviously we're just getting a little sneak peek in this first episode of his tattoos. Um, mm-hmm. and and obviously I could I could go more in depth uh with the meaning of the tattoos, but I highly recommend looking up uh the meaning of Pini and the meaning of the the koi fish that he has that we see so far. Uh, we don't think that's a new pet. I mean, this is this is a great time to talk about it. Yeah, please. And what we can do. Okay. Um. So one of the things, and I'm just gonna pull it up again because I've I've done this analysis once before, um, but it's been a hot minute. So um, forgive me if I'm going into Google at this present time. <laughs> that's what Google okay. for. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that's also yeah. talking about Torah is clearly um white muscular so yeah. he is um definitely built someone who as we, we probably think he needs this for his profession and, yeah well and what's really interesting if you think about it like we're seeing torah in this very drab existence we're finding out a lot of depressing things about his life and what's interesting about the tattoo the peony in particular if you're looking it up it says that it resembles wealth 
prosperity and good fortune. So I'm hoping what this means oh, is wow. that, ta- uh, that Torah has a, a better future ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, this was the symbol that we also, the peony was the symbol that we also saw on uh, Ulan's tattoos in Ashura's Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's both like it's an homage to his lineage. And then also, um, hopefully this means that it'll spark a better future for him. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, is the clay fish something that was on Yuwa's? Um, the ribbon of Yuwa? Yes. So if if you remember from Ashura's Bride in the first couple of episodes, we see that she has koi fish that are on her her dress that she's wearing when she mm-hmm. meets Ulan. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And it says here, um, koi fish are renowned symbols in Japanese and Chinese culture. Uh, one popular tradition of Japanese tattoo motif is the form of the koi carp. Um, it's a symbol of determination and strong will to succeed. Um, you know, we, we may get into this a little bit later in the podcast when we talk about later episodes. Um, but this, you know, if, if I were to just make a judgment call based on what we've seen so far is that, you know, these tattoos are not cheap. So he probably makes enough money to be able to Mm. afford that. Um, and so we can kind of infer that he's been successful in what it is that he does. Um, especially since people seem to rely on him quite a bit. Mm. Wow. That was a great um, point. Yeah, and definitely, if, you know, we'll be learning more about Tora as, through the coming episodes, but strength and determination is definitely a, a really spot-on characterization of Tora. And, you know, the, the fact that he put those on himself and tattooed himself with that, and as well as, like, the, the prosperity, it could be that that's his hope for the future, even if right now he you know, has a lot of hope, which is something that is going to be a big, big theme here. Yeah, maybe, and then tying it back to the beginning panel with, you know, how life is a series of dots and how maybe that could just connect to the brighter future that Tora and Poppy might have at the very end. Yep. Yeah, hopefully. Um, one of the things I also wanted to point out is, as you were scrolling past, Mindy, mm-hmm. um, is the kanji symbol that is on the back of Tora's jacket. Yeah. Um, it literally means Superman mm-hmm. on the back. Um, so I, I just, I love this piece right here because it, to me, he's like, he's shedding his clan wear and he's putting on his cape to go uh, rescue his cool. true. So I really do. I love that piece right there. Right. This is his private citizen because as we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about his relationship with Goliath, what he's doing now is not to the clan. It's his own relationship with Goliath that is compelling him to, mm-hmm. to rescue him. It's actually kind of like the reverse, you know, as we'll see what Goliath had to do with him and the clan. But um, yeah, this is definitely Tora's own, own rescue mood on, right? Yeah. Okay, so Tora goes out, right? It's a couple hours before Poppy has had her accident. And now we go back to Poppy. And, you know, Poppy's been crying. She, she says she has to get back. She feels better. She starts gathering up her papers, right? She's all torn up. Her jeans are torn. Her shirt is torn. You know, so she has to, like, make it a little tie to close it. And she's gathering up all the papers. And she picks up a shoe, which looks like it has blood on it. And she's all shocked and she doesn't really know how to handle it. She actually convinces herself that it must be chocolate, which personally, I don't see how any reasonable person can confuse blood and chocolate. So that's some pretty heavy, um, self-convincing going on, in my opinion. Yeah. I think, I think she's definitely going into compartmentalization mode here. Um, again, Poppy tends to avoid things. And so I'm thinking this is, 
oh boy, shut down time even more. And <laughs> let, let's just pretend this isn't what I think it is. Cause we, we know she's smarter than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just can't handle it. She's, she's just seen her boyfriend cheat on her and she just doesn't have the emotional energy to deal with anything else. And she mm-hmm. apologizes for it. She goes to the bathroom. She's like, Oh, I'm so sorry to the owner. I hope someone else will you know figure it out, which shows that she does care. And she recognizes that she feels she ought to be doing something, which just shows again, her, mm-hmm. her caring side and her concern side and her sense of like justice, which she has to do the right thing. Absolutely. Right. I think okay, that so, was Mindy. That was in episode two. Oh, it is. <laughs> yes, but we're we're gonna figure it out though as we go along. Okay, fine. So here we see Tora is driving along to the station, pops out of his car. The first thing he does immediately he goes for a cigarette. This is something Tora does a lot. He reaches for cigarettes whenever he is stressed, so it's a good marker for his internal um, barometer. He's trying to pull Goliath. He can't, you know, and he he calls him, you know, where the fuck is that little bastard? Right, so he does not have a good relationship with him for some reason, or where he just talks about him everyone like that, right? You clearly see he uses Christmas a lot, and there's something going on with Goliath that he has negative negative feelings for him. And while he's there trying to look for Goliath, he hears um, Poppy screaming, and he was, gets nervous. Is there a woman involved here? He takes out his gun. So again, what kind of person just has a gun? This is another right. Well, and he also says that. He wasn't planning on bringing it. Yeah. And, and to me, that says, you know, a couple of things. He he knows that what he's heading into is inherently dangerous, but he's hoping that he can avoid that. Mm-hmm. Right. And he even says how I want to have to save both their asses. So he knows he's always playing this savior type role. And it's just, it looked like he knew how, he knew how to handle a gun. So, oof. They're all great stuff. Lily is a master at like it's very interesting because um, I'm used to novels and I I'm used to getting all the details from words. But when you come to cartoons, there's a lot of details that's in, in the illustrations, and it's just fascinating to see how, how she puts all that in and yeah. how we're gaining knowledge from illustrations as well as the text that they you know say to each other. Yes, one Patreon. I, I'm I'm going to try and be uh, to keep within the episode. One Patreon uh, commenter had mentioned that. Lily just does such a really great job with just basically evoking what the scene is saying to the reader without even providing any text because the visuals just have so much already. And looking back at episode one, just from a visual standpoint, I can really see that, oh, wow, uh, who these characters, who Tora is and who Poppy is just from the beginning. Right. Um, we talked a little bit about Tora's outfit. Let's talk a little bit about Poppy's. So yeah. Poppy is wearing a red and white striped shirt and um, some kind of like jeans with like sneakers and pretty casual, you know, um, she, we, we know later she's 21. She does like pretty young hair as well. So this is just a little bit, I guess, an indication to their stage in life and maybe their, you know, social standing um, class. I think is going to be a big thing here in this, um, in this, in this whole cartoon and like the different lifestyles that they lead in the different circles that they're used to, to traveling in. Yeah. And here it is, the faded sighting. <laughs> and so, just that look in his eyes. My God. Like you can tell he he's never seen somebody like Poppy before. No. Right. And, and that, what, that, yeah. has, that picture, the first thing, image that Lily shows us that he sees of her is she's wide eyed, she's flustered, she's innocent innocent. She has these leaves like scattered all over her face. I think that yes, this is like very like kind of like a 
Fela, you know, baby innocence um, picture, which he's not used to. And he was like, he does look soft. And immediately, exactly. And the coloring too. Um, I was, I had come across a blog of this initial sighting with Tora and Poppy and just how uh, Lily Dust chose the colors of her being super like illuminated and it just completely in contrast to Tora's panels where he's, you see the, the gun super dark and everything. And then the ring coming out of the bushes. And then it's just, she's just basically all like a, a halo effect, if you will. And he's but, just, yeah. I feel like, he he just like he stops in his tracks. The lighter that he was about to grab, it's he's totally stopped. Uh, lighting a cigarette, and she's looking all flustered and everything. But it it I don't know. I I to me I thought he was he was a goner from there. But <laughs> oh, I completely agree. Um, one of the things that I I loved about both this episode and episode two was with this first meeting. Um, he's literally seeing Poppy probably in her worst day in her life so far. Um, like she's having the crappiest damn day and you know, she's, she's all disheveled. She's all over the place. Not, not in a great mood. And, you know, he literally sees her at her worst and he's still taken by her. That's awesome. I, I didn't even think about that. And I'm, I'm looking at her right now. There's blood on her hands. She's all scabbed up on her elbow uh, she, mm-hmm. she's just looking really in a bad place, but, and I'm just excited to see where, what will happen in episode two. Mm-hmm. 